Welcome to Cozying Up with the Clear Cut, where we get up close and personal with women that inspire us. Today, I'm so excited to sit down with one of my personal favorite content creators. You may know her as the average rich housewife on TikTok. She also has a YouTube reality show. Uh, please welcome Izzy Anaya. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Um, I think like I was scrolling a few months ago and your content came up and I just thought it was like so refreshing and so interesting because you were like honest and felt very authentic about, you know, life in New York and like dating and like being an average rich housewife. Yeah, in New York that you can be so rich and you're still average rich. <laughs> So can you tell me a little bit about like you and your background and how you got into content creating about your lifestyle? Sure. Um, I'm a New Yorker, like a New Yorker, New Yorking in New York. I grew up in Brooklyn, <laughs> so I'm like really a New Yorker. Um, and I tried different like facets of content creating over the years, but nothing kind of stuck. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I was doing like mommy blogging and things that weren't authentic to me. Mm -hmm. And um, after COVID, I wasn't like a COVID TikToker. I was like a post-COVID TikToker. I started just talking about my life mm -hmm. and how I live in the East Side with all these like super posh, super bougie, super over-the-top moms. And I'm like in their world and I can afford to be there, but I'm still like a girl from Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. So I'm like outside looking at them like they're ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So apparently there's a market for this because a lot of people feel like me. And it kind of took off. Um, and then it went into a YouTube reality show because reality TV is so scripted. And that kind of took off. And, and here we are. <laughs> and I know that a lot of people are like, you should be on like the new Real Housewives of New York. Oh, yeah. And you've said like, no, I wouldn't want to do that. So I can't say no, I wouldn't want to do it. When, it. when it was presented to me, it wasn't an option because my sugar daddy husband was, um, who, by the way, is age appropriate. He's not even old enough to be sugar daddy, um, was not, he was dealing with something in business and it wasn't the right fit for my family. Mm -hmm. I don't know if now I would, but honestly, after watching the new season that's about to come out, I don't know if you've seen it. It's like on brand for what I don't stand for. It's like the, they're doing the fighting and they're doing the like who's talking about whose husband. And I don't know that I want to invite that toxicity to like my already toxic world. Like my toxicity is kind of like fun between mm -hmm. my friends and we can like hash it out. That's like real toxicity. Well, that's what gets the ratings. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's why I decided to go with YouTube because I was like, you know what? I don't need ratings and I don't need sponsors. I'd rather people that actually like my content mm -hmm. because, you know, I don't need you to pay me. So I'm good. But it ended up becoming a job. So that ended up working out. But I don't know that I would be a good fit. People say that I would because I am the opposite and cliche of yeah. what they are. But I, I don't know that like. I'm moldable and I feel like Bravo wants women that can fit into their script where I'd be like, I'm sorry, no, like this isn't going to work. No. <laughs> but I feel like those are probably some of the best characters, but yes. So you never know. You never know. <laughs> My options are open. We'll see. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm young in the game to content creating. Yeah. So we'll see where, where it goes. So what were you doing like professionally before your full-time content creating or meeting your now sugar daddy husband. <laughs> so um, I'm a mom. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I've been a stay-at-home mom for eight years. Mm -hmm. That's what I've been doing for eight Which years. Which is a full-time well, job. It's a full-time job. Yeah. I have two boys, my roommates. Yes. They're 10 weeks apart. I adopted wow. a baby, and in the middle of our adoption, I got pregnant. My boys both showed up at the same time. They are 10 weeks apart. Wow. My roommates, uh, my rent-free roommates. <laughs> so I'm, I've been a full-time mom for eight years. Uh, before that, I was a personal assistant to some super, super, super like in the top five richest people in the world. And I would, did that for a while. Um, 
and before that I went to school and was a bartender and like had a lot of fun and married a few old rich guys and that was cool. But like, <laughs> then I became a mom for the most part of the past decade. I've been a mom. Mm-hmm. And what is it like? Do you feel like ever uncomfortable like sharing like your children or like your life or was that like a hard hurdle to so overcome? another part of the reason why I like producing my own show is because my life I don't care my personal life but there are a lot of things with my children especially with one of my roommates' adoptions and my other roommate was IVF and and I don't mind sharing my part of the story but there are parts that are their part of the story that I don't share like there are parts of my son's journey that he has to share mm-hmm. so I am very cautious about what I share with their journey mm-hmm. I share my part of it but you know there are things that they're going to have to do on their own because this is my content, so totally. I can just put all of my stuff out there, but it's not really fair for me to put their stuff out there. So they are on camera when they want to be, and they do share what they want, but I really do leave it up to them. I'm not one of these, like, you have to be on camera. You have to be in the show. I'm like, you don't want to make a TikTok with me? Okay. Like, I'm very, like, it, it's not for me to force them. Yeah, it's totally. Thing. Like, my sugar daddy is not on my show or on my TikTok. He is not a social media guy. He has zero presence, and I respect that. And but your sugar daddy supports your content. Oh my god, he's my biggest fan. He's like <laughs> there commenting. People don't know who he is, but he is has watched everything. He is videoing me everywhere I go. He's like my biggest, biggest fan. Oh my god, yeah. that's amazing. He's buying new equipment. I'm like, we don't need all this equipment. He's like, Oh we do. It's the newest camera, it's the newest this, it's the new I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And you give a lot of like fun dating advice. Like, how did you meet your husband? So my current husband, <laughs> I met on J-Date. Oh, nice. Yeah. and But we met right when the internet dating was like fairly new. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like 10 of the same people on 10 of the same apps, which I'm learning from my friends that are single. Yes. So we did meet on J-Date. But I feel like by the time I met him, I had dated everybody in New York. Mm-hmm. So I was just looking for a good person and I was exhausted. So I don't know if he won the race because he was just a nice guy and I was exhausted or because like it was true love. Mm-hmm. We'll never know. It's 10 years later. It, Guessing it's true love. (laughs) (laughs) And what are some of your tips um, for dating in New York if you are single now? Oh, my God. Leave New York, (laughs) find somebody wealthy, and bring him back. (laughs) How do you find someone wealthy? I feel like a lot of single girls here are like, where do I meet these guys? How do I find my husband? So I talk about this a lot. And I say I dated a lot, girl. Like the Million Man March had nothing on my day of life. Like I dated everybody everywhere in every country you can imagine. I've been kicked off of islands, literally in the Caribbean, like asked to leave. We need I to hear this. Might have dated somebody's husband. An accident. But <laughs> my point is, in the the only time I met someone who was quality or started dating quality people was when I started getting close to my thirties. I started getting my career together. I started hanging out with different people because I would meet work people. And as my career grew my social circle grew. So I would, I joined the museum and I went, I joined like different societies and I joined the Frick and I joined the ballet and I would go to different society parties and the Met. And I would do a lot of these, like, especially if you're in your thirties, there always is like a young circle and it's a little bit less expensive. And I, I joined everything and made friends with everybody and went to every event. And I feel like that is an amazing way to break into that world because you might not meet your person there, but everybody has a friend who has a friend and everybody, all of these people are super professional, young in their career, working in offices that invite you to a party or invite you to a wedding or, and that's how I broke into a totally different circle. And that's my suggestion for my New York girlies. It's like, get out of your comfort zone, stop dating online, don't go to the bars, like join these like social circles. But I feel like nowadays, like a lot of people, because like 
dating on apps has been such a thing for a while that when you're in person you don't really know how to like approach the situation yeah yeah Yeah. like should you be the one that (laughs) makes the first move or like are you too like aggressive or should you be like texting them I don't you know what I sit on on the fence with this I feel like if you have a connection or like a chemistry with somebody Obviously, post-meeting them, I feel like it should be organic. I I, I don't like this whole, like, I'm not going to text you. I'm going to wait for you to text me. That's not going to work in life. That's cute for, like, a great night, and it's a lot of chemistry. But, like, if you're going to build a real relationship, there can't be that, like, tit-for-tat back and forth. It has to work from the gate. Mm-hmm. Like, if I want to call you 80 times a day, I'm going to call you 80 times a day because you're interested in me, and you want to hear from me 80 times a day. And as far as, like, approaching, at these events, you kind of just get introduced. Like, I met one person, and she was friends with everybody, and, and that's why I like these social events, because there's, you know, there's always cocktails, and it's it's really, like, social. It's made to be social for young professionals to meet. Yeah. And I, I think I saw a TikTok of, uh, that you posted recently that was, like, don't be, like, ghosting or whatever. Go for what you want, because you need to know, like... And I know that it works with most men to, like, catch their attention. You can't call them. You want to get their attention, so you have to make them chase you. But is that really the marriage you want to be in? Yeah. I mean, I've followed my now husband, like, followed him onto the train. Did you really? Yeah, I did. I love that. Well, because we were in school together and he was ignoring me. So I was like, I like you need to start talking to me. So then I just approached him. Yeah. Well, I accidentally got on the same train as him. And then, yeah, the rest is history. Also, you have to remember some (laughs) of the guys, which um, like my husband are shy. Yeah. My husband is not one to make like he's (laughs) just not that guy. And we went on a few dates and I never was afraid to like call him or text him. We didn't play that tit for tat. Good guys don't want to play that. Mm hmm. Player guys want to play that, but good guys don't because they're not hanging out with 50 women. Mm-hmm. They're interested in you because you're probably the only one that's talking to them. Let's be real. <laughs> Especially if you're a pretty girl, you're the only pretty girl that's talking. <laughs> so, you know, good guys don't have a whole Rolodex. Yeah. And for me, at the point where I was when I met my husband, um, I wanted a good guy. I wanted somebody to have kids with and live a real life with. I didn't want somebody. I didn't need at that point somebody who was fun anymore. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you always want a partner who's fun, but fun wasn't my priority. My priority was a good dude. Mm-hmm. And a good dude answers you. Mm-hmm. You know, goes to you. Totally. Let's be realistic. Why do you think um, people like gravitate towards your content so much or find it so relatable, even though it is so aspirational at the same time? Because I feel like I'm realistic. Like, mm-hmm. I was, a re- I was, I am a real person. I'm just a girl who grew up super poor in Brooklyn, nothing fancy. I don't come from a fancy family. My parents are first-generation immigrants. My mom's from Morocco. My dad is from Cuba. My mom worked in the hospital. She probably made what I spend in a month, in a year. And so my mom's a single mom, supported three kids. Like, I'm a regular, real person. I'm not one of these people that grew up in Westchester or Connecticut or even had parents that were together. Like... I come from like the meagerest means and I figured it out. And so my, even though my life is outlandish, it's still relatable because I am telling you that I know it's outlandish Mm -hmm. and I'm so uh, blessed that I got here, but I'm also showing people like you can do it too. Like there's nothing special about me that you can't do. I didn't do anything different than anybody else. I didn't have any more or less opportunities. So I feel like people connect with that. And do you have any, like, tips or advice for people to, like, kind of, like, make it in New York? Oh, God. New York is... No. No. (laughs) New York is aggressive and intense. And I feel like people, either they'll make it financially or they'll make it mentally. But nobody's making it both ways. You're not... Like, if they make enough money, then they're broken mentally because they're working all the time. So they're literally mentally broken. And if they're mentally broken, it's because they're not making enough money to survive. So they're always trying to get ahead, but they're never getting ahead. 
in order to be a New Yorker, New Yorking in New York long term, you're going to have to figure out how to do both financially make it and mentally make it. That's why they say if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere because nobody really makes it like they make it for a short while and they have kids and have to go. I won't even make friends with moms that don't have kids that are not in third grade, because if your kids haven't made it into elementary <laughs> school, you're not staying and I'm not coming to visit you in Westchester. Let's be honest. Is it worth <laughs> trying to make it here? 100%. I love raising kids in New York City. I love it. It's astronomically ridiculous, but I have the coolest kids. Yeah, so, yeah. because a lot of people are like, how can you even think about raising kids in New York? It's like not a how place. How can you not? <laughs> Central Park is amazing. My kids go to Broadway shows. They know things that other children don't. I, I did actually a post recently. My girl, she lives in the, su the suburbs of Nevada. And we were joking around and she was like, yeah, the, like neighbor kids come in and just open my fridge and get ice pops. I'm like, you don't lock your door. The kids just walk in and open your fridge. She's like, yeah, we live in the cul-de-sac. I was like, people are going to rob you. What are you talking about? She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, my kids know the difference between like heroin and cocaine. So wow. <laughs> growing up in New York, but like they do miss that factor. But the reality is most people do end up with a second home and you leave or have family out of the city. I think raising kids in New York is amazing, but that I like it. I'm a New Yorker. So for me, it's normal. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it, but there is a price point. You have to be able to live here properly. If you live here with a family in a small two bedroom, then leave. Yeah. Um, I saw that there was a recent like New Yorker article about like how much is that lifestyle in, in the, the window? window? Yes. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I just did a post on that um, because there was a guy and he was a single guy who was an investment banker. If any of you girls are single, go to his TikTok. It's very handsome. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and he said, you know, he was saying about how this article says that um, people have this vision of living mm -hmm. in New York and they look in people's windows and they think it's amazing, but they don't realize like what it actually costs to live here. And it's very true. Yeah. Like they don't realize, you know, you have to put your kids for the most part, unless they're super smart in a private school at some point, mm -hmm. um, or unless they're just a really mainstream great kid it's hard to put your kid in public school space is at a premium like mm -hmm. nobody's business after school activities friends keeping up with the lifestyle all of it even if you do it on a very low that lifestyle in the window is expensive and i don't think people realize that yeah it's insane it's, it's insane i would did one yesterday a tiktok where i went to a play date at an apartment that had a basketball court in the apartment <gasps> So, and I have a pretty nice apartment for New York. Like I have in the a, building or in the apartment. In the apartment, girl. I have a duplex, so like I think I have a pretty nice apartment. And I literally walked in and called my husband. I was like, first of all, they're never coming to a play date in our house, yeah, because we look like we live in squalor. And I was like, oh my god, like who has that? But they had it, and that was like one of their six homes. I was just like, oh my god. Yeah. And I think a lot of times um, people find like going to the Hamptons very like aspirational and bougie. And you said like oh, no to the Hamptons, the right? The Hamptons are horrific. They're horrifically boring. <laughs> it's a bunch of white people drinking white wine, talking about people. And I'd rather be the person that they're talking about than be the person talking with them. Mm -hmm. To me, it's extremely boring. Unless you're living on Dune Road, looking at the ocean, like I, I don't want to see the same ladies that I see every day out east in white pants yeah I'm more of, if i have to go out east it's going to be fire island if i have to go out east i prefer it to be fire island but i prefer not to go out east at all like i'm not into it i'm not into it either and i thought it was it. just I, me girl, i'm going to coney island this weekend i'm just saying i mean i have a house in the catskills but i don't i don't want to go in like i'm leaving for the summer i'm taking my kids on the road no the hamptons are boring they're boring so where are the places to be in the summer and where are the places that are right. overrated the Hamptons are overrated. If you want to stay in New York, I would go to Fire Island 100%. Mm -hmm. um, and now I think Greenport has a little vibe. The Catskills yeah. are, are 
up and like doing amazing all these new restaurants and stuff like that if you want to stay like in this area and honestly and don't hate me for saying this the jersey shore I actually think the Jersey's having a comeback because everybody's tired of the goddamn Hamptons. So I'm not into Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. That's not my thing. I really feel also like leave the country. Most people leave for two months, go to Italy. Um, but you said like... N- I'm not into the Greek... And, Positano or any of that. Yeah, I'm not into any of that. I'm more like a Via Reggio, get a big house in Tuscany with a pool, um, Sardinia. I don't even know other parts that I've been. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. But yeah, I, that's more my vibe than or like New Rochelle, uh, La Rochelle in France than to go to like the standard Cote d'Azur. Yeah, like I'm not interested in that. that mm-hmm. I don't want to be where everybody is. I want to be like far away from you guys. <laughs> I'm I'm going to actually like Guatemala, Mexico and Belize for oh, two months. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to do like Central America and and do that vibe. I'm going to bad bunny again. <laughs> so Amazing. Well, we are an engagement ring company so i've had a few engagements tell me tell me about how is your proposal did you pick out your own engagement ring oh like God. what is the story behind that it's gonna make me look awful so <laughs> my sugar daddy i we were a bunch of our friends were getting engaged at the same time and i was like hey when you proposed to me just so you know like one one girl like he rented out lincoln center and these people were doing these giant proposals i was like i want smoke and bubbles like i want an event so he i was i used to smoke cigarettes at the time everybody did so um, um i did about that so um he i did not have anything to do with my ring before i received it so he we went to breakfast somewhere and then he was like oh get something from the trunk so i opened the trunk and it was filled with capri cigarettes and bottles of vuv Clico. he's like bubbles and smoke that's what you wanted right mm-hmm. so and then he got a one e and he gave me a beautiful engagement ring however um I didn't like it. And I said, thank you. This is wonderful. And he like had this weekend plan for us to leave like that night. What was it? Uh, well, we, we left. We went to the Ocean House in Rhode Island, which mm-hmm. is where we ended up getting married um, six months later. But I looked at the ring and I was like, I don't like this ring. Can we change it? Like almost instantly. Like I looked at it and I was like, oh, my God, yes, I'll marry you, blah, blah. And then, like within 15 minutes, I was like, I don't like this ring. Can we change it? And he was like, what? I was like, like, can we go change it like now? And we went like same day and changed my ring because I didn't like it. It was um it was like a three stone, mm-hmm. like big one uh, princess in the top and two small princesses on the side. And I was not feeling that. And I also feel like I might have gotten that from another fiance years ago. Mm. So how I many was, times have you been engaged? Oh my god, girl, Lord of the Rings. I never talk about it. <laughs> okay, but, we don't. But yeah, so we and I ended up getting a different ring. I got a halo. I got this. I kept the diamond and I put a halo around it. And it was beautiful. And I had that ring for many years. And then, like, at the eight-year mark, I obviously got an upgrade. Well, not obviously, but I got an upgrade. A big, giant upgrade, which I don't even have on right now. But, what, yeah. what was your upgrade ring? Uh, now I have a nine-carat mm-hmm. uh, sir, round, round with a uh, four-carat halo. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have a pretty, like, beautiful... It's in most of my videos. You'll see it. Yeah. It, like, stands out. <laughs> so then our diamond game is going to not be as impressive. Oh, girl, but... all diamonds are impressive. I always say, who cares where your leather is from as long as your diamonds, diamonds are, are real. real. Yes, that's... Like, my signature line. That's where I, I was like, oh, this is my girl. <laughs> yes, like, I don't care if you're buying your purses on Chinatown. However, do not come with some synthetic diamonds. Like, I need to see... A, I'm old school, whatever, whatever, but I like a real diamond. I like real gems. I need real and why is that? Why not? Listen, everybody believes that you can like resell purses and they hold a value and your kids are going to want them. I'm sorry, but like, do you see the queen handing down handbags to her like generations of people? No, but diamonds and gems are being 
viewed in museums. So maybe there are a few fashionistas who would be like, no, they have these collections that are still being viewed for hundreds and hundreds of years now. Fabric Leathers does not hold old, up. Yeah. <laughs> but diamonds do, my love. Mine's an heirloom. It's gorgeous. It's an heirloom, it's too. beautiful. Thank you. But I feel like diamonds hold up. And you know what? I'm ready for my upgrade already, though. How many years are you married? Four years. Uh, I had to wait eight. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not getting one anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I walked in. I was just going to get a... Um, a new setting and then my husband was like look you're gonna make me spend so much money in a new setting and then in a year from now you're gonna be like I want a bigger diamond anyway he's like so just get the bigger diamond now and like let's not do this game I was like okay perfect <laughs> <laughs> so let's play a little game so we oh, have a few different styles of engagement rings here we're ready to go okay cool a few different styles of engagement rings here and I want you to tell me like what kind of New York City lady each one represents. Oh, I'm excited for that. Okay. So let's start with this one. This is a five carat oval on a plain gold band. Okay, I want to see them all before I start like throwing this out there. Okay. Oi. <laughs> this is like a super thin model chick from Soho. Okay. You know who I'm talking yes. about. <laughs> she's like wants to be a content creator, but she's going to end up like a housewife in Westchester. Mm, but she's like super skinny and super thin and tall. And her fiance is like an investment banker because it just makes sense. Yes. <laughs> I love that. This is my Soho ring. Okay, perfect. The next one is this one's a two and a half carat pear shape with a halo and a twisted pave band in platinum. Mm, they live in Kips Bay. <laughs> <laughs> He's in med school or probably just became a resident or something, but they're definitely living in Kips Bay. It's cute. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. I'm like this is my Kips Bay girl. You got you you have you you guys are in love. Yes. You have to love someone to accept this, huh? <laughs> <laughs> There's something for everyone. Okay. No this... girl, I've seen diamonds that are so small they look like a chip. That's not for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> this one is a five carat emerald cut with tapered baguettes and platinum. Oh, this is my upper east side girl. One hundred percent my upper east side girl. Um, probably investment banker guy and they're gonna like keep it simple and clean mm -hmm. and they're probably gonna end up moving to Connecticut yeah mm, for sure for sure yeah my like east side girl Westport or something oh my god or <laughs> Darianne <laughs> all right this one is a four and a half carat old European cut set in an antique setting well it's the upper west side <laughs> how could it be anywhere else yes this is complete upper west side girl I don't know what he does, but he does something like interesting. One of these Chandler Bing jobs where he doesn't like make a ton, but he makes enough where they can stay in the city in like a nice two bedroom and they definitely like each other once again. This could be like an heirloom. But there needs to be like a halo. I just feel like the smaller the ring, the more love the couple has. <laughs> but definitely my Upper West Side girl. Okay. And last but not least, this one is an eight carat radiant cut with uh, trapezoid side stones. I want to say Tribeca, because Tribeca is all about, I live in Tribeca. So this is my Tribeca girl here, and he's like an entrepreneur of sorts, and she's a Tribeca girl, and she's going to end up a housewife, just so we're all clear. Staying or, in Tribeca? Staying in Tribeca. They're going to, no, they can afford to stay in Tribeca. They're staying, their kids are going to avenues, like they're Tribeca through and through. She might have been a realtor, but she's going to be a housewife. <laughs> she might have been a realtor. I love it. Thank you for playing. I love this game. <laughs> my, I know. I'm going to go home and take out my jewelry and play with my niece. I'm I like, know. Okay. Yeah. Tell me what neighborhood this yeah. is from. <laughs> Tell me what New York City neighborhood this is. I love that. <laughs> awesome. Um, so what is the difference between being 
a Manhattan housewife and a housewife anywhere else? Um, well, I can only compare because I've been a housewife in Manhattan, but I think that housewives in other places, like, I'll just say suburban housewives based on what I know from my friends. Because a lot of people, like, move to the suburbs. Yes, they're just different. Like, New York, because we live in New York City, we're on top of everything. We're in front of fashion. We're in front of restaurants. We're in front of, you know, everybody's, even if you're not good looking, you're good looking. And everybody's going and moving and your kids are in the know of what's coming out first. And your my kids are way more progressive than a lot of my kids that live in the suburbs that are, you know, my kids always have, like, the newest video games and the latest and the greatest and, and seeing Broadway shows. And I think that we're just, and we're also more into art and culture. We're my friends that I feel live in the suburbs spend their weekends like drinking at each other's homes and find going to the newest restaurant isn't as important or being like wearing the newest pants and like fashion and restaurants and all the things that keep you in the know are not the like are not as important as being a New York housewife is. Are you, and you the, the competition's stiff in New York City. Are you ever nervous that your kids will be jaded? 100%. <laughs> They're totally jaded already. They're eight years old. My son, Maximilian, told me when we were flying a few weeks ago, he's like, Mom, we don't have to sit in last class, do we? I'm like, what What the hell is last class? He's just, you know. And I was like, you mean the rest of the plane? He's like, yeah, right? This is not JetBlue, right? I was like, no, it's not. It wasn't. We were sitting in, in business class, and he's like... Okay, I don't really like that JetBlue. And I was like, you're eight years old, bro. <laughs> I didn't even get on a plane until I was like 16. Oh, my goodness. But yeah, so they're extremely jaded. Um, I try to keep them grounded. Uh, hence, we don't go to the Hamptons. I, we ride the bus, city bus. We take the subway. We go to Coney Island to go to the beach. But just living my life, they are going to just be exposed. Yeah. It is what it is. It's just the reality. What are um some like aspirations you have in terms of your content creation, like going forward? So my main goal is my YouTube reality show. Mm -hmm. So I really would like to see that take off. Um, I think my end goal would either be that my reality show took off or more somewhat of um, a talk show host type of thing. Those are like the two, I don't know which way I'll go, but those are the two end goal goals for me. And do you think now, because your kids are growing up, that you have like more time to focus on your career? My career was a non-event up until probably this year because COVID, they stayed home, they didn't go to school, and they were it was like kindergarten age, and last year they were just getting back to school, and so I was getting into the groove. So it's the first opportunity I've had, yes, because they are in school. Other than that, it would not have been an option. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where can people, like, follow your content, keep up with it, watch your show? So you can check out my Instagram, The Average Rich Housewife. My TikTok is Average Rich Housewife, as well as my YouTube, Average Rich Housewife. Or you can just Google Izzy Anaya or Average Rich Housewife, and it will all be there. Oh, my God. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Yay. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I'm Olivia Landau, founder of The Clear Cut, and you just listened to Cozying Up, where we feature women that inspire us. You can tune into episodes wherever you listen to your favorite shows and find us on social media at The Clear Cut.